ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of Too Legit to Crit, a show about tabletop role-playing games, hosted by some thorough professors of this hobby. Who? Have we got guest hosts? I don't know, I was trying to big us up, dude. (laughs) No, no, by the time people realise that we know fuck all, they'll be too far into the episode and it'll still count. (laughs) Yeah, see... By the t- yeah, by the uh, time they realise that we're useless. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll shut up and try. Let's try that again. <laughs> so my name is John Santana, and I remain Justin Taylor. That hasn't changed. Still, you are steadfast as Justin Taylor, and it is a good look yeah. on you. It is. You know, I've had it for a while, and uh, I think I rock it well. You do. You definitely rock yeah. it. If there was anybody yeah. in the world I'd peg to be Justin Taylor, it's you, man. It's, it's this guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually, when I when I was a kid, um, like, I, I went to school with another Justin Taylor, right? Um, Sounds like a and they ref- <laughs> Well, this this was the funny bit. They referred to me as Justin, and they started calling him by his middle name. Really? <laughs> yeah, because so- I, they couldn't differentiate between the two of us. So you just, like, flat out, you know, Oi, bruv, change your name. We just, just change the name, yeah. <laughs> So he became Mark. Because <laughs> that was his middle name. Oh, one of the teachers even took like a whiteboard marker and drew a circle on the top of his hand. So he was like, you're Mark. <laughs> now that's borderline abuse. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm not debating that. But uh, It's private school, so it's a, it's a learning uh, situation. <laughs> so do you think that somewhere out in the world is a Mark Taylor who's just yeah. sat there seething yeah because now somebody's stolen his name because <laughs> he had his his name taken away from him I mean quite probably it's entirely possible whether he's listening to this or not I don't know if you are let us know Mark Mark if you're there <laughs> Mark if you're there now I'm not going to call you Justin it's going to get too confusing for me <laughs> So, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, so, I, I borrowed a... As we discussed last time, I needed a Dremel to finish off the staff that I was building. So, I borrowed one from the person that you suggested I borrow one from. Uh, so, I've been working on that. Um, so, I've now textured the entirety of the staff, um, and I've started painting it. Um, but it's uh, being a bit of a pain because it's really long so it doesn't fit in my spray booth so I've either got to take it outside or spray like little portions at a time and then leave it mm, yeah so yeah so it's not it's that it's it's not been fun <laughs> so you've spent the entirety of the week polishing your shaft yes cool 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 <laughs> That is exactly what I've been doing. I nearly made I nearly made the joke when you said it was too long, but I thought yeah. I'd... But anybody who knows me knows that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she didn't say. Hey. <laughs> well, what about yourself? What have you been up to? Um, I have been up to uh, getting this this next arc of my my homebrew campaign uh, oh. ready. Um, designing mainly the sort of ground floor of the casino currently. Yep. I say designing. I 
I actually found a casino map and went, I don't like that. <laughs> so I'm redesigning it um, yeah. with a bit more flair. So that's been that's been the bulk of it, but also kind of working on on how I'm going to present this to players because every every sort of miniature arc I do, um, I try yeah. I try to make it a bit of a learning experience for myself. Yeah. So I'll try things that I've never tried before, and I will uh, present the players with sort of challenges that they've probably never had to encounter before just mm-hmm. you know just to kind of test the waters to see if yeah see if it works and what sticks and what can i add to my sort of gm style yeah and also kind of keep things a little bit fresh i guess as well because if you just do the same thing over and over again it's going to get very uh repetitive very quickly isn't it yeah exactly i mean the the whole murder mystery thing was um it was very sort of micromanaged it was very sort of detail orientated where I'd established a timeline um, of the killer and how they interacted with all the different NPCs how the different NPCs interacted with one another another, um, just to kind of create this very sort of intricate web and it was re- it was fantastic. It was really good. Um, but I think this time around, I may do it differently. Yeah. So I may have the NPCs. I may have the locations. I may have um, the sort of, of advantages that the players can achieve interacting. But for the most part, the actual heist itself is going to be mainly me reacting to what the players decide. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, they're going to be able to approach this in a in a number of ways. I have no idea what they're going to try and do. <laughs> I just kind of need things in position to be able to react to whatever. So it is is a bit of an undertaking. I do have to kind of try account for every eventuality, which is impossible, but, you know, you can at least mitigate the times that they throw you off. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of where I've been doing. So, yeah, I've designed the, the map of the city that they're going to be in. I'm currently mm-hmm. designing the map of the casino, and it's looking looking pretty good. And now it's just a case of getting them to the city, which is the session that we're going to play in, ooh, I don't know, two hours. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, no pressure, no pressure. No, none at all, none at all. Oh, no. It's going to be random encounters. <laughs> oh, I love a random encounter table. <laughs> Case in point, Pathfinder Second Edition doesn't actually have any inbuilt random encounter tables. To be honest, I never really use any of the ones for D anD D either. I, I tend to just make my own. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's the way Second Edition is, and the way you kind of build encounters is so simple and straightforward. Yeah. You can literally open the book and kind of go right. So I need an aberration oh, of this level. There you go. Yeah. And it's so easily balanced. 
you know, it, it, it kind of made the random encounter tables, I won't say moot, but not far from it. Yeah. At least in my games, anyway. No, that's fair enough. So, will we be seeing any pictures of your shaft? Of the shaft? Uh, as soon as it's finished. At the moment, it's, it's half painted. Um, so, I need to... I'll finish it, and then I'll take some, I'll take some lovely photos. Fair um, enough. And then I've got a few other bits that I've printed out as well. Um, so, I've, I've created like a... I've printed out like a... It's like a summoning circle type thing. Okay. Um but the design's really cool. So it's got space for um, like a ring of fairy lights to go in. That, and you can actually buy them off of Amazon, the fairy lights that he's designed them for. Right. Um, so you, I'm not going to glue it together so I can take it apart and turn, turn the lights off. But until I get the lights, I don't want to put it, like stick it together. Yeah. Um, but it basically um, will obviously light up the, the and glow. So you'll get like an actual glow coming off of the... Uh, off of the summoning circle, which would be pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, so that that will get we'll get some pictures of that once it's uh, once it's finished as well. But I need to order those uh, LEDs. Um. So yeah, that that's made its way onto the table. Actually, it's uh, it's sitting on the table right now. Um, with uh, some, I've got some cultist models sort of standing around it, looking menacing, ready for a, a band of adventurers to come busting in. Yeah, cultists <laughs> tend to look menacing, don't they? Well, I mean, that's it's kind of their job. Mm. Like, it, it's it's part of the job description. You never see like a, a cultist mini just holding a cup of tea and some biscuits. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine like a group of adventurers bust in the door and they're all just like on a lunch break? Like, guys, can you like wait like thirty minutes, please? Just sit sit down, get a bourbon. <laughs> Have a cup, read a magazine have a cup right, of we're tea gonna, have, we're going to stack of magazines there have we told, and flick through have we told you about Cthulhu <laughs> I mean surely if you know cultists in order to increase their ranks could be a bit more friendly let's you know maybe, maybe they are that's the thing right because like keep in mind you only ever see them as an adventuring party in the middle of a ceremony you never just see them like in their day to day life Actually, now that you mention that, in like the previous arc of my homebrew, they were they were in a city. Uh, is um, it's one of the, the the sort of pre-written cities for the Galarian setting, and yeah. it's called Quantium. And part of its charm is that it is really sort of open and welcoming, and it even says even like some of the like more evil inclined religions have a presence here as long as they obey the rules of the city sort of thing so <laughs> I just had a random sort of cultist of Rovergog in the same tavern as the adventurers oh there you go <laughs> they're having their AGM <laughs> they, they walk up and hey guys how you doing sort of thing <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was quite fun. Oh, could, could you imagine? Oh, actually, I might, I might have to write that. That'll be quite fun. Um, like you go into uh, like a, a bookstore or something in a town, and you end up picking up a quest from there to go and and do something, and it turns out that the bookstore is actually just like the cult that is their like business, and you end up just working for the cult indirectly. 
That could work. I think, that could and then work. you have to stop the thing that you started. Oh, that could that could one hundred percent. That would work. be so funny. Yeah, that you go and get like you go into a bookstore and they ask for a specific book from this other town and you go and get it for them, but then it turns out that it's like some demonic tome. Yeah, I like that. I think that is a definite plot thread that you can you can oh, pull out for shits fun. and giggles. <laughs> And from experience, oh. the longer you wait to reveal that, reveal that <laughs> the louder the yells get, oh. and it's fantastic. Oh. Run the campaign for like five years and then go, oh, oh and then in walks uh, Dave from that bookstore 18 years ago. <laughs> I mean, a friend of ours in common um, still hates me for something I did in, in that sort of vein where someone they trusted turned out to be the big bad evil of the campaign. Yeah, but you see, no, that's that's rule one of playing any game with you. If you tr- if you want us to trust them, they're a bad guy. <laughs> but it's not a case... I learned that early on. It's not a case of me wanting to trust them. It's a case of you trusting them and me going... Like, John's, making, John's making this guy very likeable. He's clearly the big bad. I'm going to kill him now. <laughs> That's one way of doing it, but <laughs> I can always shift the goalposts. <laughs> oh no, that Any guy! Any character that comes in that's likable, I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna kill him. <laughs> yeah, no. And then suddenly, I'm the big bad. There you go, boom. That's the twist. <laughs> that is the you've been the big bad all along. All along, I love go. it. <laughs> right. So, do we have some news this week? We do. We have. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of news that we've had to sift through. Um, but we've settled on a few stories that I think are pretty good. Um, so the first of which is that uh, Valiant Fridays is going to be launched tomorrow. Exciting times. So the Kickstarter has uh, reached its its culmination. It has finally paid off. Um, and it will be all released tomorrow, uh, Tuesday the 23rd, for those of you listening later. Um, and yeah they'll have everything up on their website and they'll have a one stop shop all on the website uh, with all the FAQs that they've picked up through the Kickstarter and everything like that as well um, so it'll all be on the Cobalt Press website that's fantastic this uh, this could be quite momentous yeah. to be honest because it does kind of echo back to when Pathfinder was created hmm you know, very, very different reasons, obviously, uh, which we're not going to yes. bother going into. But, I'm sure everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're part of this hobby, you know what we're talking about. But If you're listening to us, you know. <laughs> but this, yeah, this could be quite quite important because not only has the, the whole drama with the OGL... Um, kind of happened but also because D&D are currently working on their newest edition uh, not an edition yeah that, oh here we go let's, let's... <laughs> uh, well they're, they're saying it's, it's not an edition it's just a rework of 5e they're not calling it a new edition yes 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 we won and so did they whatever um <laughs> So, but there are major changes to D&D coming. Yes, right? yeah, absolutely. And we all know 
in this hobby, changes can be divisive. No. I know, I know, right? It's It caught me by surprise as well. So, you know, realistically speaking, there are some people that are going to be on board with these changes coming to D&D. There are some people that aren't. Mm-hmm. Now, the question kind of for me will be what that split is. Yeah. Which, theoretically, it shouldn't be too too one-sided because, you know, as opposed to when D&D brought out 4th edition and this, this time around, they are actually getting uh, public feedback. Yeah. So theoretically, it shouldn't be that divisive, but we don't. We have no genuine idea of what's going to happen. So this this uh, Tales of the Valiant could be yeah. quite a big, big release. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, having a proper little flick through of everything and uh, and maybe give it a give it a spin. I do have an axe to grind with them though. I am shooketh. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> when before they they added Tales of the Valiant as their the name of the of the system, yep. and it was still called Black Flag. Yeah, they started a blog to kind of keep people up to date with with any sort of changes, anything mm-hmm. going on with the project, and they called it Black Flag Fridays. Yeah fucking awesome yep, so, which are then changed to Valiant Fridays and that annoyed me <laughs> because Black Flag Fridays was a fucking great name it was, it really as was as much as Tales of the Valiant is a good name for a system, just keep Black Flag Fridays see, for, for me though the, the name Tales of the Valiant just sounds like a bard telling a story you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's sitting in a tavern. He's like, "These are the tales of the valiant," and then he's like trying to get a beer out of you for the story. <laughs> but even that's a great fucking angle. Oh yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, that that would be a great way to start a campaign. Yeah, bard in the tavern. Let me tell you about the tales of the valiant, and then it goes through the entire campaign, and then the bard is the big bad. <laughs> Yeah, and, he's like, and then I killed them all! And now I'm here, no. getting a beer from you, or I'll kill you too. <laughs> exactly, I now own the world. <laughs> or like my uh, my monk in an evil campaign that we were playing, uh, he won the tavern that they were all drinking in. Um, and then he just he just ended the campaign there. He was like, no, I'm just going to stay here and run my tavern. Um, but he was a 20th level monk that owned a tavern. He <laughs> had the drunken fist. Were you? Like, yeah, it's my tavern now. Were you part of that campaign that a mutual friend of ours ran? And it was in the. It was we we tried to infiltrate a drow camp and got captured. No. And I was playing. I think I was playing a bard with the sort of archaeologist archetype, essentially Indiana Jones. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And. They kind of took us all for questioning and this, that, and the other. <laughs> and, you know, they, they did the whole typical thing, oh, you can join us or die. And I went, yeah, I'll join you. <laughs> I was like, okay, so, you know, roll deception. No, I'm not fucking lying. 
No, I'm, not, I'm not lying. I'm, I'm joining. I've been given a sign me up. I've been given an option: either join <laughs> or die. What do you think I'm going to choose? So then they kind. Of, so then the GM kind of went, "All right, fair enough." Uh, we're going to go put you back in your cell now. And I, yeah, fair enough. I'm going to see if I can convince the others. <laughs> so the rest of the session was me in and out of character convincing the rest of the players to switch sides. Oh, my God. And I think I got all except one. <laughs> so I was there just sat in this cell kind of going, you know, these guys have got a point. <laughs> so I, I would have been like, I'll join if, they've got, if they do dental. Like, have they got dental? That we that's all we I'm can asking. ask. We can definitely ask. That's, that's all I'm asking. If, if they can provide dental, I'll sign up now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> have you seen any with bad teeth? I mean, come on. <laughs> I've seen one with no teeth. Well, you know. But the, but that might have been his problem. Professionally extracted. <laughs> Bob Aaron just giving a big thumbs up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a really fun session. Oh, mate. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It was. It was great. <laughs> oh, but yeah. No, the, the, the back, back to the news. Back to the news. No, it does look, does look very good, and I'm excited to see what Tales of Valiant brings uh, to to the hobby and to the space. I think I'm going to kickstart it. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because I I like the 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 sort of philosophy behind it. Yeah. I like the reason it exists, and yeah, no, I'm fair. happy to support that. I'm not yeah. entirely sure I'm going to be mass- I'm going to be playing it anytime soon just because you know it's a fantasy d20 system for which I already have a fantasy d20 system that I enjoy. No. So yeah, it's you have a fantasy d20 I system. Do, that yeah, you I, do. I, I didn't know so that. It's a little mum and pop system and it's called <laughs> Pathfinder 2e. <laughs> Oh wow! It's, I've never never heard of it. So yeah, I mean, I will probably, like I say, I will probably kickstart it just to to show support, and I will definitely go through the rules. And who knows? Maybe I'll read it and kind of go, "All right, we need to give this a whirl." Well, I mean, they've got playtest um, stuff on their on their website, mm. um, so we could have a little have a little spin of it, and we could put it on the list. We are adding it the, to the list. The ever, yeah, the ever growing list. Yeah, we need to actually start um, working on that fucking list. We do. We need to start working through that list. All right, we'll start something um, out for the next week or so. Yes. Maybe tell. We'll start with Tales of the Valiant because I still haven't bought one ring. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is definitely interesting. So anybody who's interested, anybody who does like Five E the way it is and is kind of concerned about some of the changes, I think it's. I think it's a good option. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. We may be completely wrong. I've not actually yeah, tried it uh, yeah. yet, but we we could be swinging and missing hard here. Yeah, I mean that's the way they're selling it. So you know, taking it at I face mean, there's, value. There's one that I think you're going to love. Is the the second selling point they have for it is it reduces GM burden. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I like GM burden. Um. You know, sometimes I because I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, like the cipher system. Yeah. GM burden is is not very present. All the the players roll make all dice rolls. Yeah. And yeah, it's great, but at the same time, it's like I want to roll the dice. <laughs> I want to roll dice. Dice, not fair. So yeah, I mean, yes, it is appreciated. 
to kind of be able to focus on other things, but... I, I guess it depends how they're reducing that burden. Yeah. Is what's going to be... Because uh, they're, they're talking about just, like, the tools that they have um, to build, like, your encounters and your exploration encounters, social encounters. Mm. So it's just going to have a lot of tools, I think, that make uh, those elements a bit easier to, to put together um, than in previous games. It's going to have to make a splash. It's yes. going to have to make a splash because, you know, it's got its two main competitors are D&D and Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's coming out swinging at the big boys. Mm. It's not like trying to take on any any smaller things, you know. It, it's coming out and it's declaring war. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely interested. We'll, we'll be taking a look and maybe one day I will give you my less than expert opinion. <laughs> Alright, so next bit of news is that Paizo have revealed new mm. Apex items for Pathfinder 2nd Edition in the upcoming GM Core release. So, Paizo have been kind of releasing um, little snippets of the um, upcoming sort of remaster. Some things that they are changing. One of those things that I've really got excited about is they're gonna kind of do away with the the metallic and chromatic dragons okay instead the dragons are going to be based on the planes of existence um and the magical traditions so arcane um oh jeez arcane divine uh primal and occult yeah so oh. and yeah some of the the artwork that they've put out for like the mirage dragon was fucking phenomenal mm. so yeah i'm definitely interested in that but they're also starting to release some some sort of snippets of new apex items so they have released highlights of braces of strength and the cloak of swiftness Two highly potent items aimed at amplifying characters' capabilities. Now, here's where I have a slight of an issue, a bit of an issue, mm -hmm. because one of the selling points of Pathfinder Second Edition before it was released was we're doing away with static item bonuses. Yep. You know, so you don't have to invest in the the braces of of strength or the the headband of alluring charisma or anything like that yeah. and instead we want to give the the magical items more personality and flavor and for up until now they've they've done a fantastic job at that so this at face value does kind of seem to be a bit of a step backwards to me yeah however that being said these items are not just a bonus. They do actually have added effects. For example, the Braces of Strength and, yeah. with bore and claw-like details etched onto silver grant a plus three item bonus to athletics checks and a plus two circumstance bonus for lifting heavy objects, escape and force open actions. The true power of the Braces is unlocked upon investment either by enhancing the wearer's strength modifier by one or raising it to plus four depending on which would result in a higher score. 
Furthermore, wearers can activate the brace's unique feature, Bear Hug. This allows the character to grapple and crush an opponent, inflicting bludgeoning damage equal to the wearer's strength modifier. So, yes, they do have a bit of character further than, you know, a plus four. However, yeah. I'm not entirely sure that's how they're going to be played. Yeah. Because let's be honest, right? Something like that bear hug, unless you're building some kind of grappler, are you really going to lean into that? Yeah, I mean, well, you can always argue that if someone's pumping into strength that they are going to be melee at least. So at least it gives you a, a few more options. Yeah, I mean, looking at it as well, I think the the real benefit comes from the uh, the victim starts to suffocate as long as you keep them restrained. Yeah. Because obviously just doing a, a, a strength modifier of damage, you're always going to do more damage just, just hitting them. Yeah. Right? Um, but that suffocating them, I guess you would have... To, it depends on how that mechanic would work, I guess. Hmm. I mean, the saving grace is that they're going to be 15,000 gold pieces each, which in the second edition economy is huge. Yeah. You know, that must be a 20th level item. Yeah. So, you know, it's not something that someone's going to get at 7th level and increase their strength bonus by 4. It is, it is going to be an apex item. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just how they're going to be played yeah I think it's going to have to be one of those uh, wait and see hmm. situations um, see how the, the players kind of pick up those items and, and run with them and yeah definitely and what, what can be done with them as well because that, that's the thing as well when you start getting into like item effects and, and item abilities and stuff like that that's when you can start doing things like stacking things together um and then you can get a little bit a little bit broken <laughs> again in second edition they have mitigated that a lot um, I know that that would be you know quite po not only possible probably the default way of playing Pathfinder first edition yeah um, but in second edition breaking isn't as easy anymore no um, but I mean, just looking at those two items that they've they've released there, right? So the Cloak of Swiftness, which uh, has a, a unique ability known as Ride the Wind. So once activated, you can fly at a speed of 30 feet for one hour. So if you have the Cloak of Swiftness on and you've got the braces on, you can grapple someone, start restraining them, and then fly up with your Cloak of Swiftness. And then even if they do break the grapple, they're falling. <laughs> I mean, without having to go into the minutia of the rules, that's not as easy as you would think. <laughs> you know, in second edition, they have kind of accounted for a lot of things that that you wouldn't initially suspect. So, yeah, it wouldn't be as easy as you would think. So, yeah, fair enough. You know, I mean, obviously, you've got the rule of cool element. Which, yeah. you know, if someone were to do that, I may probably allow it. Because <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. But. So, choose, suffocate, or fall. 
Yeah, and then break out and, you know, so it is, you know, it isn't as easy as that, so. Yeah. But we'll have to see, we'll just have to see when, because obviously, yeah. obviously buying those books. No. Yeah, already got the special editions ordered. <laughs> well, uh, just to clarify, the pre-orders aren't out yet, but I've given my local gaming store a very sturdy heads up. <laughs> he, he's pre-ordered his pre-order. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I've, I've kind of gone, when that comes out, yeah, put me down. <laughs> Just put me down. Because <laughs> the, the special editions, fuck, they're pretty. Yeah. Mm. Oh, right. Well, speaking of new content for gaming, D&D players have been a little bit torn on the playtest stuff for Druid and Wildshape. <laughs> okay. So speaking of people not liking change, <laughs> yeah, th- this is a case of people either loving or hating the change. Nobody was in the middle on this. Everyone has seemed to reacted in a way of no, fuck that, get it away <laughs> from my gaming system, or oh my god, that's amazing, put it in my gaming system. There's nobody going. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so basically, what's happened is um, they have put out a bunch of playtest stuff as we've covered in previous episodes and in the druid playtest they've changed the way that wild shape works so previously with wild shape at different levels you could shape into different cr creatures um and they had to be beasts and they had to be in the monster manual or in official monster manual books right so you couldn't just do something that you found on some website somewhere that's a cr half but it's actually like should be like a cr 20 million um, so that was kind of their way of balancing it. However, in the playtest, they went, no. And what they've done is they've basically said that instead of like having this laundry list of things that you could turn into, uh, they've given you set stat blocks, and those stat blocks have different effects. Okay. So they've they've really, really simplified it. And instead of having, like... Because, I mean, like, if you, if you look at the list, right, for four beasts that you can wild shape into, uh, especially as a, a Circle of the Moon Druid in, in 5e, it, it's a huge list of creatures. It's basically, like, any any beast up to CL6, right? As long as it's a beast. Right. You can even do uh, elementals as well. Um, like it's it's insane the amount of things you can shift, shift into and the only restrictor that was ever put on it is you have to have seen it before okay now as obviously you level up you're going to see a lot more creatures you're going to see a lot of things and you can wild shape into them pretty easily but I kind of fall in the camp of I like the simplification of these are what you can turn into, these are the stat blocks. You can still flavor them however you want, right? So if you've got a stat block that like is a really tanky like shape mm-hmm. that you've you've wild shaped into, you could flavor that to be a bear or a rhino or whatever you want to, it to appear as, but these are your stat blocks and these are your abilities, and it's actually based on your stat block uh, rather than... So it, it modifies your stat block rather than just giving you a new stat block. Okay. Which I kind of like because it's still you then. Mm. It's not a, a rhino or a bear. It's you as a bear 
or you as a rhino. Yeah. So it's tweaking your stat block to fit that. And I like that. But they've said that uh, everything in the playtest obviously is not final and it is for this very reason to get people discussing. Um, and then, yeah, we will have to see where they land on it though because I personally fall on the side of I like that change. But obviously about half of the people have gone, no, fuck that change. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, yeah. And I've never played a druid. Never really been interested. It's never something that's that's become a concept of mine. Um, mm-hmm. But I have had druids at my table. And I've had to kind of help them a tiny bit when it came to what can I transform into? Yeah. And again, this is Pathfinder. This isn't 5e. But I think it's safe to say that it had the same problem. Yeah. Of there was just so much fucking choice. Too too much choice, man. Yeah. Like I I honestly would spend. I played a druid, um, and I would spend between sessions if I knew a combat was coming up. I would spend the entire week or two weeks between the sessions trying to figure out what I was going to wild shape into for that combat. Yeah, it just the bookkeeping involved was ridiculous and you had a stat block for a leopard and you had a stat block for a tiger yep yeah you you had to change it your stat block was different for everything you could wild shape into yeah yeah yeah. to be honest the differences mechanically between them negligible were negligible maybe one of them was a bit faster and it was yeah. the same, you know, like there was... Well, one could claw twice and bite once, the other one could bite twice and claw once. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so if they've developed a system where it's like, okay, so we've got felines, we've got yeah. um, canines, we've got aviary, we you know, just kind of divide it into sort of subgroups. Yeah. Then, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and each of those kind of little groups has its own kind of modifications to your stat block. So, like, let's say you go feline, for example, right? It's going to maybe give you a bit more movement speed. Your agility score goes up by a little bit, but your strength score drops a little bit. And rather than just kind of like, this is your stat block, it just tweaks your current stat block. And I think that's going to be better. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that that's how it works in second edition, but I've never had to deal with a second edition druid to be honest so challenge accepted I'm just having a quick look now uh, wild shape because I do believe you know it does kind of make sense that these systems do borrow ideas from each other of course they do absolutely they do um, so wild shape in second edition you infuse yourself with primal essence and transform yourself into another form you can polyform you can polymorph into any form listed in in this case pest form which lasts 10 minutes all of the wild shape forms last one minute you can add more forms to your wild shape list with druid feats so I need to find at second level so yeah it is it is similar Mm. Um, Because the way they've done it in 2nd edition is that you gain the following statistics and abilities regardless of which battle form you choose. Your AC, 
goes up, you get temporary hit points, you get low light vision, imprecise and mm -hmm. and an imprecise sense. So that could be smell, it could be um, tremor sense, whatever. One or more unarmed melee attacks specific to the battle form you choose. And then yeah. you also gain specific abilities based on the type of animal. So yeah. you get so that that looks exactly like what they've uh, they've done mm. here with uh, the playtest for Druid is the it's exactly the same sort of thing. But it it makes so much fucking sense. It really does, because like even even looking at the Pathfinder ones, right? So you can change into they've they've broken down to like eight bear, bull, canine, cat, deer, frog, shark, snake. Mm. But you can flavor those however you want. Yeah. Right. So, like, if you're turning into a bear, you can choose the kind of bear you are. You can choose your, you know, anything like that. Like, you don't have to just be bog standard brown bear. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, and I think that's how it should be. Yeah, but for example, say someone wants to wild shape into a dolphin. Yeah. You just get the shark. You just, you just hit the shark. And just yeah. take away the bite damage and do like yeah. a a bludgeoning damage a, for change change the bludgeoning yeah. instead of piercing. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and obviously remove the breathe underwater yeah. because they need air. But yeah, it's it just makes it a yeah, lot more malleable. And yeah. I get I I can kind of predict what the argument is. It's like oh, we've been you know we, we've had our choices it's, it's taken enough. away. It's enough. Yeah, we've had our choices taken away. When if you think yeah. about it, the way it's not that they've reduced your choices; they've just made your choices modular. Yes. So if you were to and, actually and even, consider, even then, I think yeah. if anything, it, it's made it's given you more choice because the problem that you have, right, is yeah, you have like fifty thousand things that you can wild shape into, right? Because you could do any beast from the monster manual uh, under certain CRs, right? But some of them are just shit, and you wouldn't bother. Yeah. Like some, some you just never used. Yeah. So you you would you would at certain things like you would always use this one or that one. Or like at the the level that I was playing at, I would always turn into uh, oh, it was a dinosaur. I can't remember for the life of me which dinosaur it was now, but I would always turn into the dinosaur because it was the best thing at my level. Hmm. Um, so I, I didn't need the other fifty two choices I had because they were pointless. Yeah, <laughs> and at the very best, circumstantial. Yeah. Whereas this is literally you can turn into anything because they're all viable um and you flavor it however you wanted it to be so like if you wanted to instead of being a bear you wanted to be a rhino you could still do the bear stat block mm. and and everything that the bear does just change the claw attack for a horn attack yeah and it does piercing damage instead of slashing damage that's it yeah now you're a rhino like you can still make tweaks to it. It's not, you know, like like every single one of these games always says the rules are there, but you don't have to stick to them by the letter. No. And I've just triggered every single rules lawyer in the world. Oh yeah, you. We are gonna get emails. My, my, myself included. Myself included. We're just gonna get so many emails. For the record, I am also a rules lawyer. <laughs> but there's a time and a place. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. And, you know, one thing about these, these systems kind of coming out in intervals is mm. that, let's just say, and I'm not saying that this is the case, that um, Wizards have taken inspiration from, from Pathfinder 2nd Edition. 
they can then improve on that. They can build upon that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because then everyone's getting a better experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I personally think it's it's going to be good and I'm excited to see whether they keep it or whether they go back to what it was. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, that we've probably triggered a whole bunch of people with this, but to be oh, honest, absolutely if, we have. if you disagree with us, you're wrong. So, moving on. <laughs> Oh, you really want those emails, don't you? <laughs> I do. It's a very lonely inbox. <laughs> oh. All right. So, moving on. Yes. Uh, I believe you have one more bit of exciting, uh, titillating news for us. It is exciting to a, to a certain degree. Um, <laughs> however, unfortunately, I do not have the knowledge enough to be able to dissect it properly but the <laughs> second draft of the orc license yes. is ready for public comment um mm-hmm. for those of you who have lived under a literal rock for the past six months um welcome first of all yeah welcome great to have you on board um second of all <laughs> second of all um when the whole debacle with the ogl um kind of transpired Paizo's response was okay so we're going to do our own license and we're going to get other people, other publishers involved and mm-hmm. you know it's going to be irrevocable and using all these words that, that... It, it, it was that classic I'm going to make our, my, my own license with Blackjack and hookers yeah, that, was, that was a meme <laughs> that was circulating at the time and it is yeah, quite appropriate. It's very true. It very it's true. very true. <laughs> so this is now the second time the the orc license has come out for public comment, um, and it is incorporates feedback and suggestions from hundreds of participating publishers on the orc license Discord community. The second draft represents a significant step forward in the development process. The team has focused on enhancing the clarity of key terms and definitions, expanding the official frequently asked questions document and introducing various quality of life improvements across the board. That is where my knowledge kind of ends because I do not really <laughs> know enough about the li- about licensing issues and licensing laws yeah. in order to actually comment and kind of go, yes, I agree with it. However, however I do have faith that the community will provide and they will... Yes definitely work together to create the best license possible yeah absolutely because it is we are living in a momentous moment really Mm. that was a redundant phrase right there Uh, a momentous (laughs) time in the in the tabletop role playing Uh Scene. I wasn't going to say anything. But... <laughs> oh, I can tell. I can tell. Right. But no, you're right. We the, are. The, there is a shift happening where for a lot of systems the OGL was kind of the underlying go-to. Mm-hmm. And obviously anything owned by one particular company to a certain degree is corruptible so having this new license coming in which isn't going to be owned by any company 
is is definitely a step in the right direction i think and it's not one of these things that it, it has to be one or the other companies can go ahead and build their own license if they want mm-hmm. but it is it is a definite interesting time to be part of this community yeah no absolutely and uh i mean i'm, I'm going to be excited to to see what everybody has to say on it um, and I believe that they are hoping to get the final version out for the end of the month if I've read that That correctly. is correct, yeah So yeah we might be able to tell you all about that next time Yes, hopefully we can go a bit more in depth and I've already seen a few systems that have kind of um, brought out releases going we are going to be um, adopting the Orc license yeah. So it is. It's a fascinating time. Yeah. No, it is, and you know, it's it's like you say, it is unprecedented times. It's uncharted waters, and um, yeah, it, it hopefully will lead to good things all around. Um, but it's yeah, we'll have to stay tuned. As will you, all out there, hopefully. Stay tuned uh, for everything that is to come from it. Yeah, um, I I completely agree. So, yeah, so that's it for the news. Yes. You know, some quite interesting topics. Um, So I wanted to present you with a topic, Justin. Fire away. There's... This topic has kind of cropped up, and it keeps on cropping up across the various communities that haven't kicked me out yet. (laughs) Um, Give them time. Give them time. And I wanted to get your opinion on what you thought on uh, professional GMing. Professional GMing? Yeah. Because that's becoming... I'm going to need some more information on that. Yeah, it's becoming quite a quite a common thing and it does seem to be yeah. an industry that is growing where yeah. somebody most for the most part online but it probably happens face to face as well, yeah. where a GM will charge for their services. Okay. Um I, I can see the appeal. Um, you know, if, for example, let's say nobody in your friend group is comfortable running, or perhaps the one person who is comfortable running is just horrifically burnt out, um, and nobody is comfortable running, it, it's a solution to getting a game up and running. Um, it's I, I personally don't see a downside to it. Me neither. Um, I don't necessarily see a downside. Um, however, it does create a lot of uproar. <laughs> once again, once again, we see how this community is divisive. <laughs> and, I, I don't believe you. And, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the sort of um, arguments against it are in are a weird sort of moral stance which I find quite perplexing 
Yeah, I'm not really sure you can take the moral high ground on somebody offering services and somebody else buying. Yeah, that's it. But a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people try. It's like you know how how can you charge for something that that you know that that should be free and and this that and the other and it's and it's just a really yeah, weird is, discussion. Is, is it the thing is right? This this is my my theory on that. Right? Is it free though? No. Is it ever truly free? Because how many times, right, have we bought a little gift for our DM or do we buy them some snacks before the session or maybe not take their share when we order a takeaway? Like, it's still paid for in a way. We're not just like... Nobody's DMing without some kind of... Not reward, that's the wrong choice of words, but... There's there's always some kind of exchange happening, whether it's just the stories themselves, right? Yeah. Nobody's DMing because it's good for their health. They're DMing because they enjoy it, or because there's no other fucking choice. I think it's it's the monetary value that people kind of kind of question. And don't get me wrong, I've seen some of their prices, and oh, on, some of these people <laughs> go ahead and charge something like twenty five dollars a session. Is that it? Yeah. Dude, I thought you were going to say like fucking like $250 a session or something. $25 a session. Think about that, right? How long is a nor- like your, your average tabletop gaming session? Yeah. Anywhere between 1 and 4 hours? Yeah. It's So if they if they're going for like 4 hours and they're charging you $25 a session, then they're making just over 5 bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, like, to be honest, it's something that I have actually considered. You know, I have considered doing it. Um, I, my struggle with it, and, and this is from my own perspective, as comfortable, as confident as I am with my GMing, mm-hmm. I, I do believe I can create a, a positive experience for players. But the yeah, moment that. that you put a price tag tag on it, that's when yeah. people, that's when the, player expe- the expectations yeah, a lot higher. Player expectations become more demanding. Yeah. Whereas you know now I'm um, in if I've you know if my GM style does not meet a player's expectations, it's a case of okay maybe we should kind of re-examine whether this game is for you or not. Yeah, but the moment you do, the moment I'm charging somebody, it's like, yeah, well, well, I want my money back. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you, you can't have it back because service is rendered. Yeah, I mean, I think as well that's that's going to come down to the, it's the same as any service industry really is you pay for a service like if you're going to get a, a massage, just for example, right. Um, you know, or any kind of physio treatment. Not physio treatment, because that's normally medical, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with like a sports massage, right, for for you you athletes out there. Um, you're paying somebody to essentially do something that you could quite easily get from a family member for free. But what, you're paying them because they're trained to do it. They're meant to be good at it. Mm. Um, and they're probably going to be better than the person that you know that can do it for you, right? Yeah. Same thing here. 
you're paying a DM to do it for you because they do it a lot, right? They're probably really good at it, <laughs> but you're going to read the reviews like you would do with any other service that you purchase, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I personally think that it it shouldn't be frowned upon. Um, if, if it's not for you, don't buy it. <laughs> and that advice can kind of carry over to a lot of the things that people bitch about in this hobby. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't like it, don't pay for it. Yeah. Simple as that. But yeah, it's it's just a weird one. And it does kind of you know, if if you were to read some of these some of these threads in which this is discussed, it does go on forever. And yeah, it yeah. does boil down. It, you know, it's supply and demand, and exactly. I mean, you've got a demand that, the thing for something. As well. like, somebody's going to go ahead and supply that. Also, if if you look at like how many people are also getting into this hobby now, right? There are going to be quite a few of them that have a lot of money and not a lot of time, right? Mm. Um, you know, if you're if you're in, in, in getting into a hobby like this, which is very, let's be honest, it's a very time-consuming hobby. Um, especially for DMing, right? With all the, the work you've got to do between sessions and, and, you know, all the prep and that sort of thing. If you just don't have the time for that, what, are you just supposed to not play D&D? No, bullshit. Yeah, I think I think we completely agree that it is, yeah. you know, if there's a market for something, then someone is going to put something on there for sale. Absolutely. And, you know, if it's not for you, then that's absolutely fine. Just you know carry on and what I do kind of flinch at slightly is a lot of these these paid GMs Mm. they try and sell people on the idea that because it is being paid for it is going to be of a better quality which that's a fallacy that is yeah, 100% absolutely. fallacy. You know, don't get me wrong, it's not knocking any GMs if, you know, the chances are they're very good at what they do, but someone doing it for free can be just as fucking good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It all depends on, on the table you find, it all depends on the GM you find. Um, depends and on also, the... it depends on what you want to get out of it as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, if you, if you want a game where you, it's very sort of roleplay heavy and less mechanic mm-hmm. then you, there are ways to find that I mean you can go on Warhorn every single day and find a game yeah you know for multi like I think Warhorn caters for most systems some of them are paid some of them are not and there's the other one uh, Start Playing mm. and I think Start Playing actually has a review system yeah that, I mean yeah that's that's really what you want um, but I, I also think as well, like n- nothing just beats getting a couple of friends sitting around a table and rolling some dice. No, I mean that is obviously something that it's the dream. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it became my main social activity. Yeah. Still is my main social activity. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I enjoy it. I mean, I I GM for my friends. Yeah. And you know. So far, yeah, the odd bad review. <laughs> well, I will sing your praises. Thank you very um, much. I appreciate that. You never, you never killed any of my characters that I can recall. Did I not? 
I don't think so. Hmm. We'll have to look in. We'll uh, have to look into that. I'm just trying. Well, no, you only really DM'd for me once, yeah, which that, was because of Shackles. Yeah, that is a fair point. But you also, yeah, uh, you also did, did I, play. Did I die? You jumped into Abomination Vaults for a session, and then yeah. disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, I, I yeah, I got busy. <laughs> Real busy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Life, man, it's great. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah and that character is still alive and well and gets punched in the face he does he gets punched in the face party. every time they return to the tavern yeah that is going to be your legacy that's fine I'm happy with that it's, be- it's better <laughs> than no legacy whatsoever exactly alright so shall we go to Couch's Corner oh I think we shall alright let me just bring up the notes Alright, so, Couch, once again, thank you ever so much for sending in this question. Um, It's a good one. I I do like this one. I think you'll like it too. Um, So, Couch this week asks, Do you think that in any tabletop role-playing game that gender affects the experience? To prefix this, it's not the person who is playing the game, but the character in the game. Would you find role-playing a character of the opposite or any other gender to be something that would make the experience less or more interesting? Taking into account the way that NPCs would react and other PCs in reaction to the character that is being played. That That is a very good question. It is. Um, I like it. So it actually is something that I've been thinking about quite a lot recently with the new character that I've built. Um, because obviously as we have discussed in previous episodes I have built a changeling warlock and changelings can change everything about their appearance including their gender Mm -hmm. so it is something that I've been thinking about and how I can use that um, to my character's advantage in certain situations and things like that right and I think it it definitely does It, it can change the experience if you lean into it um, I mean, I've I've played characters of uh, both my gender and of other genders. I've done both, um, and I I definitely find it very interesting to play a gender that isn't mine um, because it kind of you have to think of things differently. Hmm. Um, because obviously the the. Not, not, not the rules. That's that's the wrong, wrong word. But the way that social interactions happen for other genders is different, right? Um, and that that is the same in, you know, in the real world and in, in in a fantasy world. You know, the way that people interact is is different. It it always will be, um, and I think, yeah, it definitely lends something to the experience. Uh, to have to think about how you're interacting with things compared to how you would normally interact with things. Okay. I think I'm going to have to disagree. (laughs) Like, for me, the answer is is simple. At least from my, my perspective. The answer is simple in that, no, it doesn't affect the experience at all. Um, I when I create a character, I normally build from a concept. 
Hmm. Normally that concept is inspired by some sort of pop culture. Yeah. So if that concept is you know, if if the concept that I'm I'm, I'm getting inspiration from is uh, is female, for example, then that hmm. is what my character is going to be. It doesn't I doesn't affect the way I play the game. It doesn't affect the way that any GMs I've played with have interacted with me. And it is, for me, it just becomes a letter at the top of my character sheet. So you don't find that maybe playing a, a female bard changes the way that you would interact in a social situation to if it was a male bard? No, no, I don't believe it does. Mm. Um, See, for me, for me, it would just because of the way, like, so. All, okay, maybe bard was the wrong choice because let's be honest, bards are just the well. The general meme is that they're just all sluts. So terrible choice, really. Um, <laughs> but like um, something like um, I don't know. It's just. Maybe I'm not phrasing it right, but for me, the way that social interactions take place would be would be slightly different. Hmm. Um, and I think it's just because of like I don't know. There's 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 certain things that I wouldn't necessarily take into account. Like for example, if I'm talking to the the bartender right in a tavern. And I'm a, a male warlock. Uh, I'm not gonna try and seduce him, right? But if I'm playing a female warlock, I might. It, it's those kind of it, it changes your options a little bit. Um, having that that different gender to, to play from, I feel. Again, that's not been my experience, um, because. Except for when we kind of first started in Scott's game. And mm -hmm. it was, I'm playing a bard. I've got charisma through the fucking roof. I'm going to try <laughs> to seduce everything that fucking moves. Um, yeah. But, you know, obviously... We've all been there. <laughs> what, seduced by my bard? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had played that high charisma character that's like, well, I'm just going to seduce every motherfucker that walks through that door. We've all played that character. <laughs> But I think where I've kind of got more, where I've kind of my, my experience playing and my experience GMing has kind of um, increased over the years, that is, I don't, that is no longer an option for me. I don't use that as a, as a narrative device. You know, if I'm, whether it, regardless of whether I'm male, female, um, if I'm speaking to an NPC and I do want to sway them, it's going to be diplomacy. So I I kind of play them the exact same way. So you might you might be missing a trick there because it could be that maybe the blacksmith quite likes your character and you're not trying you're not taking advantage of that. I think perhaps. <laughs> the I think I think the the sort of 
change in experience has to come from the player. Yeah. I don't think that it should really be the GM sort of sort of accounting for it. I, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't in any I, way. I think there does have to be an element from both, though, because likewise, right? Let's say I'm playing, um, you know, male bard and I'm trying to flirt my way out of trouble with the, the guard captain. If he's as straight as an arrow, that's not going to fucking work, no matter how well I roll. If, if you, you get what yeah, I'm saying I, there. I get what you're saying. I think it, pro- like, I think it, probably, if, I think it probably boils down that I can't seduce for shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my go-to is always the diplomatic response, is always the, um, I'm going to apply to this person's logic. <laughs> But even even that then, right, is if... So so essentially what you've done then is you've kind of... You've actually not... Whether the, you've played a female or a male character, you've not actually played them as a female or male or, or other character. You've played them all genderless, essentially. Yeah. So I, I would then argue that it it hasn't affected your experience because you haven't tried yeah, but there's also the <laughs> there's also the counter argument that I've never played in a game where it has been relevant. Yeah, you know, I've none of the GMs I've ever had have kind of gone, okay, this, you know, this is a very sort of um, patriarchal society sort of thing. Yeah, that has never that has never been presented to me. Um, I know there are GMs that would. I know that there are systems in the Mm -hmm. darker days of tabletop role-playing games where gender did actually have a mechanical effect and completely fucking wrong. But um, beside the point... Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, no, absolutely. But I've never encountered it. I've never had that situation it's okay so what does your character do okay well i go up and i speak to this person this is what i say but at no point have i ever gone oh, i go up and i bat my eyelids and and all this because i just i don't know i just don't find it necessary i see i i have been in games where that's happened uh where like the the really like you know the the feminine bard has gone up and done exactly that and they flirted their way out of it and then when the male bards tried to do the same thing he said well I can do that too and he rolled better but the person that he was rolling against was straight so he just wasn't interested um, and that that kind of made a funny moment because that bard went up thinking well I can do that as well and then just got instantly rejected because he didn't take into account that this guy might not be interested in him <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it is a tough one. Um, I think we will. We both have very different experiences. Yes. And yeah, I don't think that we are going to kind of arrive at the massive middle ground. So I think it's a, it's a definite no from me. Um, oh, I see. It's a definite yes for me. So yeah, couch. Sorry, this one is going to have to go unanswered. <laughs> You know, but if anybody wants to actually write in and give us their opinion, more than welcome yeah. to. Feel feel free. 
you know, as long as it's telling me I'm right and that Justin's wrong. And even if you do send an email saying that I'm right and John's wrong, I won't know about them because he won't tell me. No, because I'm the one who <laughs> controls the mailbox. Yep. Which is why I don't know the questions beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I find out when you guys do. You guys, well, no, you like, guys thought, a little bit beforehand. You guys thought but. this was a democracy. You were very wrong. Horrifically wrong. Horrifically wrong. wrong. <laughs> but that is a great question and it is definitely one to ponder. Yes. And it'll probably... It will probably make me kind of rethink things the mm -hmm. next time I come up with a concept and and that concept happens to be of a particular gender. Um, but I don't think it's going to change the way I play. No, that's fair. But yeah, so thank you ever so much, Couch, for sending that in. As always. You know, he's, he's always... He's always trying to get us to fight. He is. He, I, I'm fairly certain that's his goal. Which is fair enough. He's, he, he's, he's trying to put in a question that makes this end. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably there going, ah, fuck's sake, another week, another fucking question. See if this one gets him. <laughs> he's like, the sooner I get them to stop talking, the sooner that I don't have to put in questions yeah, anymore. Start, the sooner I, I can stop <laughs> listening to this bullshit. <laughs> Well, speaking of listening to this bullshit, I just want to thank everyone for taking time out of their valuable days to to kind of take their time to, to listen to us, whether that's via Apple Podcasts, whether it's via Spotify. If you like what you hear, just please like, review, and that's, that's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to reach more people. Yes. Um, Justin, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the interwebs? Yes, so I am uh, pretty much everywhere now as Just an Accurate TV. So you can find me over on Twitch and on Instagram and on Twitter under those uh, handles. So Just an Accurate TV uh, is where you can find me. Okay, and for me, um, you can find me pretty much on most social media sites at Natural Juan. Um, we also now have a Facebook group and a Facebook page, so don't hesitate to yes. search for Too Legit to Crit on Facebook. Like, join, you know, we, we try make things slightly interesting. We post <laughs> bullshit sometimes. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's all about... I, I, I remade Facebook just to, to post did, stuff on You did. It was a huge sacrifice on your part. It was. I, I've been on Facebook for almost a year. I know. And you made a triumphant return. Oh, I got a fuck. So, once again, thank you to Couch for that question. Thank you to everyone listening. And thank you to you, Justin, for spending some time with me. No, likewise. You know, uh, everyone out there, you guys are amazing. And we just appreciate that you guys are even listening. Um, and it's not just us talking to each other for the sake of it. Um which, I mean, it wouldn't be a problem anyway, because we would have been doing it anyway. So it's nice just to have other people listening in. Yeah, those episodes would be <laughs> far longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, they would. Absolutely, they would. <laughs> like, eight hours of like, no, 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 because, right? <laughs> <laughs> then we would probably fight. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's about it from us. So once again... Ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week where we'll have more bullshit to talk about.
Yep. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, and good night. See you later, guys. Bye.